0: Good morning, Steve. My name is Mike Hutplus. I am the president and CEO of Hutplus and Associates Government Relations. I've been contract lobbying since 1999, and um, prior to that, just kind of a variety of and ends that set me up to be where I'm
1: at today. Welcome to the Natural Curiosity Project. I'm Steve Shepard. Thank you for spending a few minutes with me. You know, I've always been curious. I don't know why, I just know that I am. I'm a writer and a teacher and a storyteller, and my job is to be curious, to ask questions and to share the answers. This program explores my belief that why that simple three-letter question is the most powerful question that any human has ever asked. Every time we ask it, we challenge ignorance and the status quo. This, I believe. Curiosity leads to discovery. Discovery leads to knowledge. Knowledge leads to insight. And insight leads to understanding. Something that, let's face it, seems to be in short supply these days. So thank you for joining me. I hope you enjoy the program. You know, it's no secret that lobbyists are on that list of I don't know what they do, but I'm pretty sure they're all evil kind of thing, right? And I want to dispel that myth. I want people to understand what a lobbyist actually does. So, can you explain to me what it means to be a lobbyist? Lobbying,
0: really at its core, is advocating on behalf of a trade association for whatever they support or don't support, for that matter. Um, you know, it can be hospitals, it can be doctors contractors just whomever and whatever has any real issues in front of a legislative body you have you lobby on behalf of companies uh, which i've also done and again that's much more targeted very specific Uh, you have your marching orders and you carry them out and you know companies have contract lobbyists like myself they also have internal people that that's all they do is government affairs work and then many companies do both. You'll have issues that generate a need for a lobbyist, whether that's you know the social issues we hear about all the time. We're seeing it more and more with elections in general, the process, people starting to step up and advocate. Um, not all lobbyists are paid. Uh, some volunteer, some just do it as a part of what they see as their civic duty as a citizen. And that's more generated towards those specific issues like elections, election law, and then the social issues as well. So, I mean, there's just a variety of ways that lobbyists are created. Each state is a little bit different. Federal government is way different. But in Kansas, a lobbyist is somebody who is advocating for a specific position, either for a vote, against a vote, against a rule and regulation or not, that's technically lobbying. And with my work, that's maybe 20, 30% of what I do. The rest is educating legislators and policymakers on what my clients are for and against, how we came to those positions and why um, why it's important for either the company or the association um, or the organization. That's what I spend most of my time doing is educating and advocating. We're not evil. Some of us are. And some days we don't feel like we have to be.
1: One of the things I'm hearing from you, which is interesting, really interesting, is that a big element of lobbying seems to be education, making people aware of the issues and the implications of those issues. I mean, that seems to be a big piece of it.
0: Oh, correct. It is. Um said it. it's probably 78 percent of what i do now uh, and and part of that is i have the luxury of time having spent at this job where you know, the relationships are organic now they're you know the longer people serve and are in committees that i deal with friendships that grow from that and you're able to sit down and actually have a real conversation uh, you, i think what most people tend to hear about from lobbyists is the whining and dining that goes on and the campaign finance campaign checks that are given out. Um, so yeah, and that's still, it's, it's part of it. Um, but at least in my case, I tend to use at least the dinners and that type of stuff more just to further those relationships uh, and just sit down in a different setting and talk about not only the issues of my clients, but you know, just how things are going in general. I have that luxury having been in the business now over 20 years that, that somebody new coming in really doesn't. And, and, you know, and they have to rely on that whining and dining piece to get to know people as opposed to what happens over time. When you spend enough time in the building, get to know people, it, it makes it a little bit easier and a little less unsavory uh, to be able to Just sit down and talk to somebody. When I started doing this as a contract lobbyist in 99, it was a decision my wife and I made. We had a young, very young child and one on the way that nothing I would do would take away from family time. So I limited the number of clients, tried to limit the topic matter so you're not stretched so thin that you're having to spend so much time Educating legislators on all of your clients as opposed to being able to spend the same hour talking about healthcare and knocking out two or three clients. That whole advocacy piece is probably the most misunderstood and misused. I, and I see it with new lobbyists, I see it with new legislators uh, to get a new legislator to just be able to sit down and focus and spend more than 10 minutes. That's kind of how things get set up. You know, when you're busy during the session, basically you're spewing out a position and hoping they'll agree with you as opposed to being able to take an hour, take two hours and just get to know somebody and kind of talk through things. And that's the only way people learn. And it's the only way anybody learns is take the time to listen, compare notes, questions and answers back and forth. And then do it again, because you forget half of those conversations anyway.
1: So it sounds to me that in a lot of ways, being a lobbyist is really about being in the professional sales game. You're not selling a product. You're selling a message. I mean, that's what it sounds like.
0: Yeah, agreed. Yeah, it's, you know, I I tell my clients, um, especially my long-term ones, I'm a conduit. I mean, you're ultimately have to seal the deal. And I encourage them to get to know these legislators as well, because the worst thing can happen is you have a bill or something's happening that's either good or bad, and you need, need an action. If you're introducing yourself and meeting a legislator for the first time and asking for that important vote, you got no shot unless they happen to agree with you anyway. There's no changing of minds. There's no bending if you're meeting somebody and asking for them for something that big it just doesn't happen like you said you've got to you've got to build that rapport and and build that relationship then you can go make the ask and and sell what you're selling that's why you educate and advocate that's why you build the relationships part of it is getting to know the person and building that trust but the other part is sometimes you don't have anything else to talk about
1: So, so let's talk legislative session, because that seems to be a fairly active period for you. Those, those three or four months that they're in session. So what does a day in the life look like? Sometimes you head
0: over to the Capitol. I can walk over to the Capitol at 7am and find the farmers and have a cup of coffee and just sit down and chat. And there's two or three places you can go um, in the Capitol where there will be a group of folks that are gathering at seven seven thirty, just to grab a cup of coffee and catch up, and then the committees start around. Let's see, eight thirty in the Senate, nine o'clock in the House. On any given day, you'll have some committees that are actually doing something relevant to a client, and then there are a few committees just attend. Um, the Appropriations Ways and Means process is important to my clients. Health and Human Services, Public Health committees are important to my clients. So if I don't have anything else going on. I'll just drop in and listen for a while. And um, there's a couple of purposes there. You never know what's going to pop up, Uh, but it also starts getting committee members, the legislators used to seeing you in that context, health issues or budget issues or whatever the case might be, or telecom uh, for the utilities committee members. And then grab lunch, depending on the day. Sometimes it'll involve legislators. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it involves clients if they're in town Uh, and then afternoon is, you know, rinse, wash, repeat and over to the Capitol. Uh, And then once the day is done, I'll generally go out to eat once or twice a week with legislators normally uh, or clients. Um, Have a couple of clients who are from the Wichita area, which is about a two and a half hour drive down the interstate. So when they come up, they'll spend a day or two. And so anytime I know they're going to be in town, I'm pretty assured I will be going out to dinner.
1: You're bringing up something that I think is critically important here. And it's not just in your world, it's in my world as well. And that is that not only do you know what to do, you because of your experience know why it matters. It's the why part. That's a leadership question. And, and, There's a very big difference. And and the same is true in sales. The same is true in technical education. I mean, I can tell people you need to know what a packet is. You need to understand packet technology because that's what IP is all about. The first question out of their mouth is why? And I tell them that's the best question you can ask because that's where the difference is created, right? And so – To your point, you know, some of it comes from experience. In fact, it it brings up one of my favorite expressions, which is uh, what you were talking about, is that good decisions come from experience and experience comes from a lot of bad decisions. (laughs) And, And right, it's as true in your world as it is in mine.
0: There are kind of three pillars that are important, at least it's always been for me, is you know the process, you know the people and have the relationships, or you know the topic. matter. You probably can get by with, two out of three of those, ideally having all three is, I mean, that's, that's what I think we all strive for, but knowing two of those three is, is critical.
1: Is there anything else that you think is important that we talk about? Hmm. Change.
0: What's changed? What could change for years here in Kansas, we always felt not insulated, uh, but you know, I think this goes back to your first question. You know, we have this mythology of what a lobbyist is. Well, as with most myths, it starts somewhere. There's a, a certain grain of fact somewhere that leads to the myth. You know, and I think what we've seen in D.C. over the last handful of decades is just this more and more influence of money and politics and how critically important in a bad way that's become but that was generally more at the state level you would see some of it in certain states but states generally have done a decent job of regulating the process whether it's the lobbying piece of it or campaign finance or whatever that's i think becoming more and more blurred Uh, I think over, especially over the last probably 15 years, I've seen, at least here in Kansas, more of a shift into that money driving too much of the process, whether that's checks to campaigns or just whining and dining for the sake of whining and dining and really no other purpose. You know, in Kansas, we're fortunate we still have a fairly tight set of laws that limit what we can do as lobbyists it limits how much money can be donated or given to a campaign those limits i think are serve a pretty good purpose and you know, we do have a representative government having your elected bodies representative of those who they serve i think is still pretty important so whether that's you know that's kind of all ages all occupations all races I mean, it's just having that melting pot, I think, in an elected body is critical. And, you know, to the degree that whether that's election laws or campaign finance laws or lobbying laws, whatever it takes to kind of keep that feel, that the ability to keep that representative body representative, I think, is that's how we
1: keep moving forward. Hey, thanks for dropping by. I'm Steve Shepard, the host of The Natural Curiosity Project, where we're committed to the idea that curiosity leads to discovery, discovery leads to knowledge, knowledge leads to insight, and insight leads to understanding. In every episode, we explore some topic that piqued our curiosity enough to make us want to share it with you. I hope you enjoy the journey. And if you did, I'd appreciate it if you'd leave a comment over at iTunes or SoundCloud, wherever you listen to the podcast. Thank you very much. We'll see you in the next episode. Oh,